As hilarious as that music may sound, it is not how I want to kick off my podcast. Welcome to the Michael Aldred Comedy Podcast. It's going to be so much fun where he makes humor of himself and the many things in New York City. Oh, and by the way, this is not the voice of Bruno. <sighs> Guys, welcome back. Good to have you listening to the Michael Oldroyd Comedy Podcast. Hope everyone's having a good week thus far, regardless of when this enters your ears. I am doing well. Uh, it's June. It's mid-June right now. What's today's date by Zeus? Today is the 21st of June. First day of solstice. It's the first day of summer. Uh, happy summer, guys. Hope you're getting your tans on. Not forgetting to wear sunscreen, unless you don't care. You know what I mean? If you have the attitude that, hey, YOLO, I'm going all in. I'm just going to live life to the max and quit worrying about it. And I'll deal with the consequences later. Then, hey, don't wear sunscreen, right? But if you want to play it safe and kind of focus on the future and think about longevity, then, hey, put on sunscreen. And uh, if you haven't really thought about it, you know, I'm here to educate you, which I just did on, uh, you know, the sun can create skin cancer. It can, it can cause that. But uh, it's all about how you view life, guys. And you know what? You get to choose, especially if you live in the United States, you get to choose what you want to do. It's good to educate yourself on the supply, the demand, the consequences. And then you know what choices you're making. It's like, hey, am I going to wear a condom? I don't know. I'm willing to take the risk because the reward is so great. Um... You know, that's an analogy, guys. Uh, I, I was thinking in terms of kind of a third person there. Some people wear condoms because they want to play it safe. Other people appreciate the pleasure and uh, can't stand them. So um, what I'm trying to say is no, just, just live your life. And uh, that's pretty much it. All right, have a great week, guys. It was good to connect. It was good to do this podcast. Have a great week. That would be so heinous if that was it. Uh, anyway, it's been a little bit since I've done a podcast. Last week's or last episode, 52, was uh, pretty jam-packed filled with European and, or sorry, Asian endeavors, right? Uh, overseas on the Asia, on the other side of the world, I should say. Exactly on the other side of the world. Um, in fact, it would be quicker to go through the center of the earth to get to Asia from New York City. It'd be less distance traveled, like that movie Total Recall with Colin Farrell and my two favorite Hollywood actresses, Jessica Biel and um, Kate Beckinsale. Justin Timberlake, you are one lucky mofo. Uh, I, I just got to say, Justin Timberlake, I'm surprised you didn't take Jessica Biel off the market earlier, bro. You know what I mean? Like, you got you to gotta freaking... I mean, it all worked out for both of you, but dude, what the heck, man? Why'd you take so long? You're, you were making me apprehensive, son. Um, anyway, that's old news. What is somewhat new news, I'll start with some things in the backlog, so not as fresh as today, and then I'll work my way toward the fresher and fresher stuff. It's kind of like... Um, uh, you know, perishable products at the grocery store, right? I want to sell the older milk first. So I got to give you the older milk first and then I'll treat you to the freshest milk 
of all, which is in the very back of the the container where you get milk from the grocery store. Does that analogy make sense? They put the oldest, the expiration date that's the soonest, a.k.a. the oldest milk, up front, so people buy that first. Because if they buy the freshest milk first, uh, then there's going to be some milk in the back that never gets sold and it goes to waste. You see? I don't know if that applies here to comedy, but it's what I feel like doing, and because this is the Michael Oldroyd Comedy Podcast, you're just going to have to deal with it. All right? If you don't like it. And if you do like it, I love you. If you don't like it, I love you too. All right? Because love is unconditional, guys. That's the first rule of love. All right? All right. Has anybody seen... Uh, there, there's movies in theaters right now. Let's start off. Deadpool and Solo are the two movies that I have seen most recently. It's a little bit older now. They've been in you know theaters for maybe a month, but... Uh, I did see Deadpool, I did see Solo, and I enjoyed both of them. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, I, I tweeted at Ryan Reynolds before going into Deadpool and made a little ditty saying, I can't wait to see Cal Penn, a.k.a. Taj, secretly from Van Wilder, in the movie Deadpool, uh, making a joke uh, because it's a Van Wilder reference, right? And sure enough, I show up to the theater and they have a new Van Wilder or a new Taj Mahal. That sounds really racist. But the Indian cab driver, I feel, is the new Taj. And uh, had I known that that was actually going to be in there, I probably wouldn't have tweeted at him because it's potential that that came off as racially insensitive. But you guys know me well enough that I am racially loving. Uh, I am an all-inclusive gent, especially being a quarter Filipino. My mom being from the Philippines, I'm so thankful for that because it gives me a little bit of immunity. Uh, you know, if I was 100% white, people in this day and age would like me less when I, just across the board, right? I mean, I've, some, uh, I've talked about it before, but audiences respond sometimes better to me when they find out I'm not 100% white. It's like, you racist mofos. Everyone's trying so hard not to be racist that they're being racist. You know what I mean? Anyway, let's not talk about politics or race because that is sensitive stuff. Alrighty then! I did like Deadpool, though. Deadpool 2. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is, is great. I, I, I think I've talked about this before, but I feel like I identify with like a lot of people in movies that we all like, which is maybe, I'm not going to say it's cocky, maybe it's confident, right? Uh, I see, I see part of myself in Deadpool. Um, I'm going to say something, I cried uh, when, uh, when Van Wilder met his wife in heaven, but oh shit, I shouldn't, uh, <laughs> that was a spoiler, okay, turn this off if you don't want any more spoilers. Maybe I was just bullshitting there. Anyway, so turn this off if you don't want any more spoilers in either movie. Uh, when Van Wilder saw his wife in heaven, I started crying. Man, that shit, that's deep, guys. You know what I mean? Like, that's some that's some real love right there, yo. I'm, I think I'm gonna go take a quick cry and rub one out real quick to uh, that scene. And it wasn't even a sexual scene. That's how much I love it. Um, give me a second to take a sip of my Canada dry ginger ale. Thank you. Um, the, the, um, I, I feel like it's tough to outdo Deadpool, the first one. 
and kind of like the movie Hangover, when we first saw The Hangover, you can't really outdo the first Hangover, but somehow they found a way to make Hangover 2 really good, and somehow they found a way to make Deadpool 2 really good, in my opinion. I am not a harsh movie critic, though. I'm always like, oh, I see what they're trying to go for. I like that. I like this artwork and how it, how it ends up appealing to my eyes and ears, kind of like an art museum. I don't go in and objectively criticize art. Maybe that's why I'm not a harsh critic is because in a, as an artist I just I just kind of appreciate whatever it is for whatever it is. Movies, I mean I liked The Room for goodness sakes. You know what I mean? Like I watch The Room not because other people think it's bad but because it turns me on. Tommy Wiseau uh, and his ridiculous uh, endeavors I think are awesome. So you know, I'm not a harsh critic at all. I don't even know what movie reviews said about these flicks. And guess what? I don't care. I never cared. I mean, uh, critics used to hate on Adam Sandler, who was my favorite comedian uh, in the late 90s. He had some of the best movies coming out, you know, like when Big Daddy came out and all these... You know, I read this, I read this Adam Sandler biography once, and it was just talking about all the, the tough critics on him when he was huge. And I was like, how can you guys... Blast Sandler, you guys are freaking bozos, you know? Anyway, though, Han Solo was a cool movie. What's up with freaking... I gotta say this. What's up with freaking Daenerys Targaryen pulling some bullshit at the end? That really, I mean, I guess, I guess we knew that... I guess going into that, we all knew that Han Solo ends up falling in love with Leia. So he was single when he met Leia and... Episode 4, I think, is it A New Hope? or Whatever the first Star Wars that ever came out was. I think it was Episode 4. We know that he has to be single when he meets Leia. So whatever love story takes place in Han Solo and however it plays out, we know that it's not going to have a happy ending if they explain, you know, what actually happens with his, his first love there. Again, I identify with Deadpool. I identify with Han Solo. I guess it's the romantic in me. While still being a fucking badass. Alright? I'm a jock and a dork, son. I go down. I, I hit people on the football field. Score touchdowns. And then I ask girls. Excuse me. Um, can I... Um, can I hang out with you sometime? So, yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm a... I'm a jock and a geek. I, uh... I'm a, I'm a good bro, is what I like to think. Uh, other people could validate my credibility. But I would say that both Vansity Reynolds, uh, a.k.a. Ryan Reynolds' character in both, I'd say Deadpool and Van Wilder, and then, you know, this new Harrison Ford guy playing Han Solo, those guys are good bros. You know what I mean? They're bros, they're badasses, but they've got a good heart. They don't, like, use girls and, you know, all this stuff. So, um... They're gentlemen, but not their 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 kindness doesn't come from weakness. Does that make sense? That was something as a kid that I wanted to make sure I was cognizant of. Is I didn't want to just be a nice guy out of weakness, right? When they, when girls say nice guys finish last, what they mean is nice guys where their kindness comes from weakness. Um, don't let your kindness come from weakness. Let it come from a real place. Have a pure heart. I think if you can control that. I mean, luckily, I, I, maybe that's just something that you're born with, but 
I'm really getting off on a tangent here. What I'm trying to say is don't be a fucking pussy, but be a nice person. Be respectful. Uh, have empathy toward people. Care about other people other than yourself. Um, and then you'll be a true badass. You can be the superhero from many of these movies, right? The badass with a good heart. So anyway, that's kind of what um, Han Solo was. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. I was, I was fuming... At Daenerys Targaryen for, for taking that yacht ship after she killed that uh, monger of her, or like her fiancé or whatever. What the heaven, yo? When she freaking took that ship and drove past Han Solo, I, I, he was probably like, what the hell is happening right now? I, everyone was like, are you kidding me? Like, what is she doing? Is she? What's her deal? Is she power hungry? What's... I was I was upset. I gotta be honest. I I did not get a boner. In fact, I lost my boner when that happened. I got very excited when she chose Han Solo in that room, and she she had a choice to either kill Han or her husband or her fiance. And the fact that you know she didn't kill Han Solo like that that gave me a boner. Even though I'm not a fan of killing. I guess in that situation, you always have a choice. So I'm not going to say she had to kill him, but there were going to be consequences if she didn't make some kind of a decision. There was kind of like in, um, you know, the previous episode, episode eight, where uh, Kylo Ren, you know, chose to kill Snoke versus over, uh, over Ray. You know, it's like, in a way, both of them chose to kill there. Did they actually have to? No, but it felt as if they needed to make some kind of a choice. Right, so at least they made the right. Both of them made the right choice, in my opinion. If they had to kill somebody, um, but shit, Daenerys, I don't want to dwell on this topic for too long. But my Zeus, are you gonna go give what's his face head or something? Darth Maul? Like I feel like she was getting aroused by Darth Maul when they were talking on the phone, on that uh, FaceTime thing, the futuristic FaceTime. I feel like she was, like, thinking to herself, wow, this is going to be a great opportunity for me to get power. Let me go give this guy head. I feel like that's what, that's the thought that went through her mind, and honestly, it really repulsed me. I, 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 I had some anxiety, and it brought back memories from my own past that have to do with girls, and uh, I really, I was upset with Daenerys right there. Freaking giving Darth Maul head and shit, alluding to that, foreshadowing. I hate it. I don't even know if that dude has all his limbs intact. You know what I mean? Like, who's this Darth Maul guy? He's not even... Yeah. What's... You gotta be shitting me, Daenerys. Like, you're really... I had a friend that went with me to the theater, and he said that he saw where she was coming from. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? We almost, like, ruined our friendship, dude. <laughs> we almost ruined our friendship because he said that he saw where Daenerys was coming from. He said, oh, well, she, uh... Yeah, she's, I would do it, is what he said. He's like, yeah, you're going to get the opportunity to fly around that sweet-ass yacht and get trained by Darth Maul. You're going to get some, some status. I was like, what the heaven are you talking about? How can you even, in any way, see where she's coming from, dude? Like, I'm, I'm questioning our friendship right now. But you know what? If I actually, if I did judge him for that, I feel that I would be on the dark side, uh, with you know sometimes self righteousness is a path to the to the dark side so 
I didn't terminate our friendship. You know what I mean? Like I actually, I actually tried to uh, respect where he's coming from and, and realize that, hey, if we had lightsabers right now, I would not off with your head, bro. You know what I mean? Because that would be a path to the dark side. So I can only try to convince him to come back to the light. But I will say that my heart was broken. I feel like because, you know, it's like the way Obi-Wan Kenobi felt when, you know, when, when Anakin freaking went to the dark side. It's like, bro, are you, are you freaking pulling my schnutz right now? I mean, what are you, what are you telling me with this Daenerys thing? Freaking Darth Maul. You you want to chill with Darth Maul, bro? Is what I is what I was like, dude. You, you got you're killing me over here. You, you want to chill with Darth Maul? You wanna you wanna climb the corporate Sith ladder, bro? Come on, you know what the heaven? Anywho, anywho, at least it, we we all know it works out for Han. As far as him finding love, doesn't actually work out in the end. I. It sucks for him, you know, the way Kylo Ren kills kills him in Episode Seven. That was heartbreaking. That was when that happened in Episode Seven. I really my my scrotum actually withered up, and my balls went into my stomach. Um, they they did the inverse of the the balls dropping. You know, when you become a man, your balls drop, right? And my balls went into my stomach when I saw. Kylo Ren stick the lightsaber through his dad's chest. I, I I was angry, man. I was angry. I really wanted to come down there and, and just throw him over the throw him over the side of that apparatus that they were in, whatever location that they were in there when he did that in Episode Seven, the Return of the um, the Force Awakens is what it was. <sighs> I can see why Chewie was upset, man. Lifelong friends, are you kidding me? Freaking Kylo Ren, you freaking bozo. Speaking of that, it was Father's Day over the weekend. I hope everyone had a good Father's Day, and it was the opposite of Harrison Ford's Father's Day on, uh, you know, Episode 7 there. I hope you, I hope everyone had the opposite of Harrison Ford's Han Solo father's day i hope i hope every father in the world has a better son that treats them better than kylo ren did in episode seven is what i'm trying to say and if you didn't wish your dad a happy father's day it's not too late go buy him a card or something you know do something do something nice all right i've talked about this for too long i'm gonna take a breath and we're gonna move on can you guys handle the fact that we're moving on from deadpool i, I didn't give you any huge analysis i just I like both movies. I think both dudes are badasses. I didn't think Han Solo would be that good of a movie because, you know, Harrison Ford was was awesome. But it was really cool to, like, see the character development of how Han Solo kind of became, became Han Solo. And in a way, I identify with him, as I already said. How many times... I'm going to say this for, like... I'm going to talk for the next two hours and just run in circles about how I think I'm Deadpool and Han Solo. All right, hold on. Awesome. Um... Let's go into some of these um, comedian stories slash updates in the news slash celebrity stuff, all right? That's what we're going to do. Cool. And then and then at the end of the podcast, I'll catch you guys up on my life. Um, Elon Musk uh, said something in the news recently about comedy that I thought was interesting. He said that comedy is the next f frontier 
uh, after space exploration. You know, as in the way I interpreted it, or it was alluded to, is that you know he he really respects comedy and thinks that it's something that intrigues humanity, and it's 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 like a it's a frontier to be explored, appreciated. It's it's a beautiful thing, you know, much like the the, the galaxy. I Elon. Uh, I think you're close. I think space exploration is number two, bro. But I appreciate that you realize it's it's important. I think space exploration is number two and comedy is number one. So, you know, whatever. Close, close, close enough, but not quite there. But, you know, you're, you're getting there, hon. <coughs> Sorry, Elon. Uh, speaking of that, Elon, that, that's an interesting tie. You know, talking about Star Wars, I feel like Elon Musk, with his... With his ambitions for progress of humanity and, and really colonization beyond um, Earth or, you know, being able to utilize resources on other planets and things like that, he's, he's potentially going to perpetuate Star Wars in real life, you know? So is Elon Musk a combination of the dark and the light? Who knows? If I tried to judge him, that would be bad of me right so what i can say is thanks elon musk for your contributions to humanity and trying to push things forward and thanks for complimenting comedy all right uh next update chris hemsworth talked about how funny chaps developed before three from paul blank and saturday night live to be honest, I don't know what that update means. I think I, I saw something about how Chris Hemsworth was either funny before he was claiming to be funny before he became an actor, or Saturday Night Live helped him like develop some funny chops that helped him with some other movies. Either way, something about Chris Hemsworth and f funny chops that he developed at some point that he thinks helped him with uh, some of his work. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's a terrible update. Awesome. I love you, too. Here's one. Dave Chappelle gave a political endorsement recently for the first time in his life. He's always tried to stay away from politics unless he's making jokes or whatever, but he actually endorsed one of his lifelong friends, I think, for governor of Maryland or one of these states. Uh, he went on TV, and you could tell, like, the guy who was interviewing them started kind of grilling Dave Chappelle. You can check it out. I wouldn't even know where to Google it, but, you know, he started asking Dave... You know, he started to... I think Dave Chappelle wanted to just say, hey, I endorse my friend, right? And they started to kind of, like, want to ask Dave Chappelle personal questions about why and, you know, what did this guy help Dave Chappelle with, right? Like, Dave Chappelle said that this guy had always been there through the hard times in his life, like when he was going through some of these things and disappeared into Africa, and the interviewer was like, well, what what did he confide in you? What was the advice he gave you? And Davis was like, I, th I think that's kind of personal, but what matters is that I trusted the guy and that he helped me when I needed him most. Um, so I, I see where Dave Chappelle is coming from. I, 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 would, I feel like that was a personal thing to ask. I guess... Who knows, maybe if I'm ever in that situation, I just have to expect that people are going to probe like that, you know, probe for personal questions. People want to know what happened, I guess, but I don't know, guys, freaking leave them alone, you know what I mean? Just appreciate, take a gander at that endorsement and move forward is my 
is my thought. Uh, anyway, I came across this article. It said 90 books every comedy fan should read. I don't even know who the article's by, so I apologize. But it caught my eye. I, I wanted to see if I recognized any of these books. And I, I recognized a lot of them. A couple of them I, I wrote down just for fun. Born Standing Up by Steve Martin. If you haven't read that, it's interesting. I got it on audio because I hate reading. I've, I've gotten better at reading over the years. Having a real job forced me to read. I actually have read after my educational days more than I ever had in my life because, you know, email is so prevalent these days that, like, you have to read. So much of your job is reading. Most people's jobs, mine at least. And uh, it's made me suck less at reading. So I'm getting better at it, right? Um... I've, I was listening to, I went to Philadelphia over the weekend, saw my buddy James William John Barriolis II and his wife, uh, and they're getting ready to have the baby. It's very exciting. We had a very chill weekend, and I listened to Kevin Hart, his audio, uh, his audio book uh, on the, I took a megabus to save money, you know, am I cheap? Anyway, it was, it was very interesting stuff. I actually took a lot away from it. Um, and I feel like I'm kind of in the midst of a similar journey that uh, Kevin Hart um, had. Uh, f the path that his path, everyone's path is unique and different in its own way, but you see parallels. I see a lot of parallels, certain points in my journey, and not just the beginning of Kevin Hart's journey. Like we're talking like in in a, in a, a good, healthy middle chunk of the journey. I, I feel I'm seeing a lot of parallels with mine and Kevin Hart. So I think that that's cool to see. I've been doing comedy for 12 years now, right? And it's, it can be a real long grind for a lot of people. There's just no linear path. But I think the, the thing is, is you just can't quit. I feel like there's been so much. The way I could use the analogy is imagine grinding through a tunnel or creating a tunnel in a cave or a mountain where you don't know this is what it's like pursuing comedy you're in the dark which i know you're not by i'm not by myself but it feels like this where you're 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 digging a tunnel right you're digging you're you're there's maybe a little bit already there you're digging a tunnel in the darkness you go into this cave and you're you you see where the the you walk until there's there's essentially nowhere to go because you're looking for where this thing you're 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 trying to get you go into this cave trying to find the other the exit of the cave right on the other side and you get to a point where you know maybe there isn't an exit already established and what you do is you you start to dig right you you find out where the end of that maze leads if it doesn't lead to light and you start to dig and you don't know how much further to dig before you'll see light um but you keep digging you have you have you the only thing you can either do is you can either turn back and come out the way you entered i guess some people would say that for some at some point you reach a point of no return um depending on how intensely you dig like if you if you decide at some point to dig really really hard 
you may reach a point of no return, right? The, 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 the walls might crumble behind you and you have to keep digging until there's light and you just can't stop because when you stop, you die. <laughs> uh, maybe that's not, that sounds really dark. No pun intended. Some, I'm talking, I'm using a cave analogy, but uh, you could use that analogy in, in various ways or you're, you're, cl you could also say that maybe the path has already been established completely and it's complete darkness and you're hoping that it eventually leads to light because there isn't a map. You've heard of people doing this, but you've never seen it yourself or done it yourself. You can only walk your own path. So in a way, you have to either dig or keep going until you eventually see light. And the what keeps you going is the hope that there will be light at the end of the tunnel, right? Um, but reading books and seeing that there's certain parts of this journey that people like Kevin Hart have felt, I feel is hopeful and reassuring. And I do feel progress being made. I, I see a dim light at the end of the I've been digging for 12 years now, and I do see a dim light. Uh, I do see hope, right? Well, it's not quite there yet, but I'm digging, motherfuckers, right? Mother lovers, and I'm going. I'm digging. I'm, I'm, I'm not giving up. Um, I'm not turning back. Uh, I'm going forward, and I got my tools, yo. I take naps and whatnot to try and sleep, and I rehydrate, and do all these things, but I'm digging like a motherfucker, you know, so, excuse my language, alright, I love you too, awesome, so, that's that, a couple of the books that, that stood out to me also were books like, um, let's see here, uh, Bedwetter by Sarah Silverman, I've never read that, but I do like Sarah Silverman, especially her stuff when she was younger, very funny, very funny person, uh, another one, Sleepwalk With Me by Mike Berbiglia, I've never seen a ton of his stuff. I know he performs at the Comedy Cellar a lot. I see his name when I walk by there uh, on the on the lineup very often. I, I've always kind of been aware of who he is because one of my friends in high school, his name was Dan Harden, was a fan of Mike Berbiglia. He also liked Mitch Hedberg a lot. Uh, Dan Harden uh, passed away. Um, I think I've actually talked about him before, and if I haven't, I just want to give a, a quick, uh, I just want to mention his name as one of my friends and kind of an older brother to me uh, at Eureka. Uh, he was a football player, he ran track, and he just he was a good-hearted guy. Um, strongest f fucking person I think I may have ever known in so many ways, not just physically. He had diabetes, and he never complained about, you would never know that he like had to inject himself daily with insulin shots and had issues with cancer over the years and tumors they had to remove. You never heard him complain or talk about any of those things. And he was competing at the same level or above the same level as the rest of the guys out there. Um, it, when you find that out about somebody that they were dealing with those types of complications or that they are, you can't help but respect they're fighting more than they're they're fighting m more like the fact that they don't want they don't care to know they they like in his own head he's not looking at himself any differently i don't know i can't speak for how he views the world but i just know he's a tough tough dude and he squatted over 500 pounds that's more than i ever squatted in my life even when i was with missouri football and you know in the peak of my 
uh, strength. Uh, Dan Harden was just a tough, tough dude, and, and he was my friend, and he was supportive of me doing comedy, and he liked Mike Birbiglia, and I think he, I remember before he passed away, I think the last messages that we sent were, were actually through Facebook, and he responded to one of my my like message blasts to like my group you know he was like a fan of my group and stuff and you know he he just he let me know that he he thought it was really cool that I was actually pursuing it you know and um anyway RIP to Dan uh God bless man he's he's awesome I just wanted to let some people know out there just what a tough a tough dude he was and and an appreciator uh, of comedy you know he was goofy full of life um, happy, loved laughing, loved it, loved jokes, loved humor, and had a great sense of humor, had a great um, taste in humor. Uh, Mitch Hedberg, we really connected on him. I think he liked Dimitri Martin too, but I remember for sure it was uh, Mitch Hedberg as well as Mike Birbiglia. So anyway, maybe I'll have to check out Mike Birbiglia's book. Um, Finally, the, the last one I wanted to mention is A Stench of Honolulu by Jack Handy. Uh, I love Jack Handy and his deep thoughts. I remember Coach Williams from my freshman year of high school used to read those, and uh, I thought it was so funny. Right, He's, he's um, deep thoughts from Saturday Night Live. and I haven't read A Stench of Honolulu. I think I read like the, the intro to it, like the free part that you get on Amazon. I, I think I downloaded the free sample. Um, but, yeah, some, those are some of the things that stood out. And uh, I'll have to take a more lo a closer look at that comprehensive list. I saw a bunch of names on there: Amy Poehler, um, Tina Fey, you know, just all kinds of people. Anyway, I'm almost done with this uh, update on what's going on in the news. Uh, comedians in car get cars getting coffee is coming out with a new season. They showed the names of the th people that are going to be on it. You know, Tracy Morgan, uh, Dave Chappelle is going to be one of the, the names on there. There was a handful of them, but that'll be interesting, going back to Dave Chappelle. He's he's an anomaly right now, you know? <laughs> um, he does what he wants, and I, I think that's pretty cool, right? Actually, I saw an interview. I was watching something with Mitch Hedberg, and I think that, you know, they said, how do you define success? And his way of defining success was not having to get up, get up when you want to, and not have to tuck your shirt in. So I thought that that was pretty cool that that was Mitch Hedberg's definition of success. You know, not have to tuck your shirt in for somebody else is what he was saying. Unless you love the job, right? And if you if you love the job and you're working for somebody else, and that's, that's cool because you're doing what you love. But, you know, his definition was not having to work for somebody else and just being able to get up when he wants to get up. And I thought about that, and I was like, wow, I, that means I'm successful by – by Mitch Hedberg's terms, uh, I'm, right now I'm sitting in my closet on a Wednesday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Maybe it's a Thursday. I'm wearing my American flag shorts, and that's it. So I guess that's the free, that's that's the dream, right? Living in a free country and doing what you want. All right, the last update is Pete Davidson, guys. Um, sorry to brag to you guys. Uh, I hope it comes off as... Motivational rather than discouraging. Um, trust me, I got plenty of uh, things that I need to work out. I don't think sitting on here and like sharing every single problem that I have would uh, would do anybody any good. I'd rather share the good. So don't think that I 
yeah, you know what I mean. I think you know what I mean, which is uh, uh, I'm sharing the good stuff with you. All right, cool. Um, Pete Davidson, guys, got a neck tattoo not long ago after, like, dating Ariana Grande for a very brief amount of time. And uh, I saw that, and I thought it was hilarious, right? Like, <laughs> you kind of, like, get advice from elders growing up that, like, don't get a tattoo of a girl's name ever, you know, like, it's permanent, you know, it's just the dumbest thing that you can do. So I find it hilarious that Pete Davidson did that, and I say, you know what, fuck it, man, like, YOLO, bro, go all in, son. You know what I mean? Like... I don't, as, we live in a free country, bro. I think, I like Pete Davidson. I've always thought he's a fun person and personality to have on SNL. Uh, he's got like a, a Comedy Central special or a comedy special. Maybe it's just a Netflix special. Either way, I watched a little bit of it uh, at a, at when we were getting ready for Tyler Schaefer's wedding last year, actually, my buddy Tyler. Uh... I was watching a little bit of Pete Davidson's uh, comedy special, and he's fun, man. You know, he's 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 himself. Pete Davidson is Pete Davidson. Does that make sense? I don't think he's trying to be anybody other than himself, and I like that. That's I'm trying to be Mike Oldroyd. You know what I'm saying? I am Mike Oldroyd. So I, I think it's cool when people really just don't let external pressures change who they are, or like what they think other people are supposed to, you know, letting what they think others think, letting that mold them. I, I just don't think Pete Davidson seems like the type of dude that, that cares about that external stuff. And Ariana Grande is beautiful. I'm really happy for they freaking got engaged after a couple weeks of dating, which is outrageous, but awesome. I mean, who cares? You know what I mean? Like, hey, if you guys are feeling it, I would say looking at at data and being objective, I would say that's not the wisest decision from an objective standpoint, but but from a subjective standpoint, which ultimately is is what truly matters in my opinion. Just, you know, there may be consequences, but there's consequences for everything in life. So, I think some people live 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 in such a way where they're like, "You know what? I'm just going to do this cuz it feels right, and whatever comes with that, I'll deal with it." Right? That's kind of how I went about my football career in college, which is I, I just kind of I gave everything up for football, right? Like I, I, I didn't even want to acknowledge in my own head that there's a chance that I wouldn't make it. I didn't want to create some dumb self-fulfilling prophecy. So, you know, failure was not an option. And I think that's partially the reason why people that go to the NFL blow all their money right off the bat is because they don't, in their own minds, they don't want to even accept the fact or even allow the thought to enter their minds that you know that their career may end early, right? Because nobody wants to do that. I think it's a it's a rookie type mistake. I think somebody who's experienced in life, you know, I got hurt, right? Not to say I would have played in the NFL. I mean, I would have to have moved up the rankings and stuff. I, I think nobody can. Only God knows how far I truly would have gotten if I didn't get hurt, but. If I was talking to him right now, or her, or it, I I would say why you know like why. Why did you, 
decide to, to end my career, right? And if you didn't end it, do you, do you think that I would have, how far could I have gotten? I think you'd tell me, well, th that's not a possibility because you got hurt for a reason. So hypothetically speaking, there's no way to know how far you would have gotten because it doesn't matter, right? That, that wasn't the path that was chosen for you. So that's irrelevant, I think he would say, you know. Um, what I'm trying to say is athletes that spend all their money that live like Pete Davidson is right now, like going balls to the wall and not, not caring about consequences, um, you know, it, it, nobody can sit there and tell you when you're living that type of life to slow down or like, hey, be a little bit more wise with X, Y, Z. You know what I'm saying? Like, because you have to be the one that you, you, we all choose how to live our lives. Right. And if I went to the NFL, for some crazy reason, I had a second chance, like the dude from Invincible, Mark Wahlberg in the movie Invincible, the Philadelphia Eagles story, that 35 year old bartender. Like if some crazy opportunity like that happened for me, I would know to put every single cent that I made from whatever signing bonus I got, which is the only guaranteed money you get in the NFL. Um, uh, and, and any money I made, I would put everything in savings and I would live very minim minimally. I would be a minimalist uh, just because nothing's guaranteed. You know, those guys, you get hurt. And you, whatever salary you're making, you don't make that. The only guaranteed money you get when you go to the NFL is your signing bonus. That's it. Uh, if you get hurt, you get let go, they cut you, boom, no money. So what I'm trying to say is to reach the highest highs, sometimes you got to reach the lowest lows, yo. I don't know. Not to say that Pete Davidson is going to reach a low low. I'd never... Maybe he's already reached the low low in his life, and this is the high high, right? So, like, no one's to know, and um, I'm excited for both of them. Uh, I think I think they're going to have some good-looking babies, you know what I mean, if they have them. And uh, I know that there's a lot of fans out there that are probably, like, hating on Pete Davidson right now. Like, there's probably a lot of dudes that are in love with... Uh, with Ariana Grande, but, you know, unless you have an established relationship with somebody, you can't really be heartbroken, right? Like, I understand the idea of being a, a fanboy or fangirl. I mean, shoot, Britney Spears, when she was when she was big and I was in middle school, I, I, I wanted to marry her and all this stuff, you know? But that's, that's part of it is, uh, unless you have, like, an established relationship with the person, I would recommend not getting heartbroken. And if you do, maybe it's just a a part of life that you're, you're, you you got to go through. Um, Mac Miller apparently was with, uh, so Mac Miller has a reason to be heartbroken and disappointed and surprised, I think. I don't know how long they were together. I like Mac Miller, and I feel for him, you know? I'm sure he really cares for her and was like, what the frick? Like, how did that happen so fast, right? Like, I think most dudes when they get out of a relationship with a woman that they really care about, they're probably hoping that she's gonna, that things are gonna work out later, right? So like, I'm sure he had some kind of hope that things were gonna 
work out again or like maybe they needed to sort some things out and when she goes off and just immediately gets married I'm sure Mac Miller's like devastated but keep your head up Mac because uh, she's not the right girl for you bro I know that's hard to accept and believe uh, I should take my own advice you know what I mean with some of one of my ex-girlfriends which I, I have I'm, I'm over it um, but uh, I guess that's why I'm able to give that as advice is because I feel like I've been there, man. Mac Miller, uh, I like you. I think you're a cool artist. I like your music. It'll be aight. It'll be aight, son. Not to call you son, but I call I call my, my friend son. So anyway, all right, cool. I think that's it, guys, for the updates uh, in, going on in the comedy world. Um, one of my friends... Uh, says that he's known Pete Davidson for a while and you know when they were doing stand-up comedy here in New York uh, one of the guys that I do comedy with on the circuit we were actually talking about him recently and he was like he's like yeah dude one of the things about Pete Davidson is he just doesn't care about bombing on, on stage he, he just he's not afraid to bomb he's not afraid to try new stuff a lot of comedians a lot of human beings allow fear to, to guide them to different degrees. Most humans probably let fear dictate most things, if not almost everything, right? People don't want to take risks. They they never sit down at the poker table and play a hand. Some people never even sit down to watch from a sitter's position. Some people won't even sit down and just fold every time, or, you know, like, so... If you don't play poker, apologies. I don't even know if folding is the right term there. Some people won't sit down and just not play each round, right? You don't have to play every hand you get in poker. Some people won't even sit down and not play a hand, right? Because they don't even want to sit down. They'll just watch and spectate, which I'm not... If you, I mean, for anybody that's spectating right now, I'm not putting a spectator's position down in any way. I'm just saying, don't be afraid to try. Don't be afraid to to get your hands dirty and, and roll around in the mud a little bit, you know? Freaking get those new kicks dirty. I mean, go live life, yo. Make mistakes. Get neck tattoos <laughs> of the chick that you love. I you know. It's battle wounds. Battle wounds, right? Um, but I think that that's cool. It's a... It's a the thing that, you know, Pete Pete not being afraid of, of bombing on stage, I think that's how you grow. I think the way to grow in life is to have that mentality of not giving a shit. And and not being afraid just to take a step, to, to try, to step up to the bat and swing, right? If you miss the ball, who gives a fuck? Who cares if the kids laugh at you or, you know, when you're growing up? Who cares? The, the people that are going to succeed are the ones that try. That Ultimately, that's... I guess that's where Nike's symbol comes from, which is just do it. Like, just do it. Just just, just, just step up and do it. Who cares? Worry about the pieces later. Just keep doing it. Just reevaluate. Get better. Start somewhere and just keep doing it. Some people will, will try to perfect things and feel like, I got to be ready before I do it. I got to be ready before I do X, Y, Z, whatever it is. And then you let your whole life pass you by. And you still haven't tried. And then you feel silly trying because it's too late. You, you get this thing in your head where you're like, it's too late. And, the, and then the longer you go, the harder and harder it is to just step up and do it. So if there's anything I can 
honestly, like, I don't want you guys to stop listening to me, but if there's anything you can take away from this podcast, turn this fucking podcast off right now and go do whatever the fuck you've been holding back on. Seriously, like, I'm going to keep talking, but turn off the podcast. If there's some, think right now, like, is there something that you've been wanting to do that you're either afraid of or that you're wanting to do in your life? Turn off the podcast and go do it. And if you can't do it right now because it's physically not possible due to the fi- due to physics, then keep listening because I, I really don't want to, like, discourage people from listening to me. I mean, I love you guys. You know what I mean? But think about that. Hey, think about it, you know? All right, so anyway, I'm going to finish by talking about some shit going on in my life, and then we'll be done, right? And we'll try to keep it comedy-oriented and... Uh, Stuff that's relevant, you know, maybe catch you up on some stuff I've talked about in the past. Just keep you synced up on my life. We're like iPhones, right? Or whatever type of phone you have. We're plugging in. We're syncing up right now. So uh, I've been making more and more traction in the comedy business. Uh, The other night I was performing at the New York Comedy Club for the first time, which is a big milestone for, for most people, right? I got booked to perform there. It wasn't an open mic. New York Comedy Club's uh, one of the very legit clubs in the city. Um, and uh, an interesting thing happened uh, on my way there. I saw a girl on a bike. I, I think I was on a city bike, and she was on a city bike, which are the, the rental bikes or whatever here in New York. 24-hour-a-day rental. You get, like, a pass. You can use them anytime, whatever. And I was either getting on a bike or getting off, but I saw this girl noticed that there was a guy in the middle of the street in a wheelchair and he was just sitting in the middle of the street in the middle of the inner not the intersection but crossing the street if that makes sense near where the crosswalk was luckily there weren't any cars like built up at the moment but if there was you know he'd be getting honked at and he the dude either wasn't aware or he just truly did not care anymore i don't know what it was i can't speak for this fella but i saw both of them i saw that she recognized him and I saw that he was sitting there kind of just like looking down and not seeming like he was there, right? And this girl said, excuse me, sir, are you okay? And I think he like looked up or noticed her and he said, yeah, or whatever. And she's like, do you need help? She stopped, you know, and she said, do you need help? And she she actually went out of her way, you know, and she she got off her bike, she set it down, and she pushed him across the street onto the sidewalk. And the reason I'm saying this is I think most people, most depends on where you're from, right? I'm going to talk about the differences between Missouri and New York really quick. But I would say in Missouri, that's very, that, like, any almost anybody would do that. Maybe if you're downtown St. Louis, like in the in the city part, it's less common, but just seeing somebody in the middle of the street on a in a wheelchair, most people would may even stop their car, and you know try to try to at least get the person out of the street and maybe giving them a, a nice word of encouragement. New York is different though. New York, anything goes. Like you literally in certain parts of the city, people will just have their pants down and people will just like not look and just ignore it like it's not happening or they won't even notice like the amount of stimulus in the city desensitizes most i think it's human nature you get desensitized toward the absurd and chaotic chaos is almost so commonplace out here 
that you forget to notice or you don't or you just tune it out. People also aren't personal here. As many people as there are in the city, people don't look at each other in the eyes on the subway. In fact, if you make eye contact or smile, the other person will look at you like you're either crazy or they'll immediately like look away, right? So the fact that this girl did this in New York is just, it makes you think about, it makes you recheck yourself for a second, right? It's kind of like, oh, that's a, uh, she did the right thing, but you're so used to it. Like, there was a kind of a couple people that were looking at this girl that were like, who the fuck is this chick? Like, you know, doing the right thing or whatever, you know? It's like, who's this asshole? Like, people in New York are such assholes that they will look at her like she's an asshole for stopping and helping this person and making everyone else feel guilty for not helping them. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's how... I just did an entire story that could be summed up in two lines, which is people in New York are such assholes that when you do a good deed, all of a sudden you're an asshole for making them feel guilty, right? Which I think actually goes back to my go to heaven joke. I think you guys may or may not have heard this, but I talk about how Los Angeles is the city of angels and it's ironic because not very many people out there, like New York, you know, it's very... You know, people don't, uh, you know, like if someone cuts you off on the freeway, people like cut each other off on the freeway out there on purpose. So next time you're out there, uh, my joke is like, live up to the name. And rather than flipping them off or saying, fuck you, go to hell, actually like be polite, roll down your window, wait till they make eye contact and they're, that they're ready to hear what you have to say and say, excuse me, I, you know, I saw that you cut me off back there, but it's okay. I forgive you. Um, go to heaven. Right. Uh, you'll leave them thinking what the heaven just happened and they might even feel guilty, right? For the first time, they're going to potentially, you know, feel like an asshole or they might think you're an asshole for making them feel guilty. Like that's, that's how bad New York is that I, I said that to a girl once that said something mean. We were like talking online and she said something mean like, you know, I feel like you're probably false marketing with the pictures that you have online or something. You know, it's not really you. And I was like, wow. I forgive you, go to heaven. And then she's like, you're an asshole for making me feel guilty. I was like, I'm an asshole for forgiving you? You're like, are you kidding me? Like, how, how could you say such a thing? Uh, I, I'm going to do the right thing here, and I'm going to forgive you again. You know what I mean? Like, go to heaven. And then she blocked me, guys. She freaking blocked me, and I'm just like, I'm in amazement. I'm like, I, I didn't mean, like, go to heaven right now. You know what I mean? It just... I don't want anything bad to happen to you. And, and eventually, when the when it's your time, I want you to go he to heaven at that time, right? So, anyway, I don't know. That's I, I thought that that was a funny and interesting thing that happened in New York, which, yeah. <laughs> Doing good deeds. You're an asshole in New York if you do good deeds, right? I'm an asshole for having to go to heaven joke, probably. Everyone's like, who's this asshole thinking he's doing the right thing, you know? Making us feel guilty. What an asshole. Even the rats in the subways, I feel like the rats in the subways are judgmental. You know what I mean? Like, who's this asshole staring at me over here? I don't know. Anyway, uh, here's here's something crazy that happened a few weeks back. It's been a while since I've done this, but so, so this one's a little bit older. But I was doing, we did this improv show. Clickbait did a performance at the Creaking Cave not long ago. And... Uh, it's, that's a that's a like a comedy place in Brooklyn, and 
I'll be damned. While I was there, they had a couple open mics, and I had a few hours before my next booked show. So I, we had like a seven o'clock improv troupe show for Clickbait, and then like eleven thirty that night, I had a stand-up booking. And I thought to myself, I'm already here. They have a couple open mics. I'll just get on stage for these open mics and, you know, hang out, do this hangout, whatever, right? See if I know anybody, whatever, network, I don't know. Go with the flow, have some food. And they had two open mics, so I signed up for both of them because there was enough time to kill. I had enough time in between. And I'll be damned if this girl didn't get up on stage in Brooklyn at an open public establishment. This is not a strip club. This is a comedy club where they had an open mic. This girl gets on stage, and as they call her up, she starts taking off her clothes, and she strips down into lingerie. Now, that may sound exciting, but let me... I'm not making fun of this girl for her figure. I'm not going to sit here on this podcast and make some make fun of somebody for being super overweight. What I will make fun of them is that this is not the appropriate venue for this type of display, right? Uh, I don't, even if you're really skinny, like not just skinny, but like her looks, um, aren't the thing that made this inappropriate. The thing that made this inappropriate is that this is an open mic for stand-up comedy, and this girl shows up, strips down to her freaking lingerie, and gets on stage, right? And she's she's being sexy on purpose. Like, she's sticking her butt out, right? Like, she's doing these little things, and she's in high heels, and everyone's just like, what the hell is happening right now, right? And she she has this track that the dj is playing that she has a microphone she starts singing to this song and she starts stripping guys i'm not even bullshitting you she literally started taking off her lingerie and i was more disgusted than i've been in a while um she she was stripping all out like like stripping in a way that strippers don't even strip because she was singing, right? And she had her legs spread on the stage and she was, her lyrics, she had changed like the Jay-Z lyrics <laughs> to her own version. And she was say, she was singing these lyrics that she had created that were the most self-degrading lyrics that I had ever heard. Like, like it, it wasn't hot though. You know what I mean? It was not attractive at all. It was it was truly disgusting. Um, and she was calling herself degrading terms and just talking about how she's a girl. She was like, I love guys with money. <laughs> she was like, <laughs> she was talking about how she'll do anything for money <laughs> and that she thinks guys with money are so hot regardless of... <laughs> regardless of anything like internal qualities that they have like regardless of their integrity or character and she's like i'm just a big i don't even want to say what she called herself but it's it's a four-letter word that starts with s and ends with t and she uh she kept on calling herself that and talking about how she loved she loves money and she's like a 
you know, there's a term for it, right? So uh, I know that this open mic was not paying her and she was not getting paid for this in any way. And it wasn't even an, ad an audition. Like, it was literally, this is her passion, I think. I don't know if she's trying to take that and, like, practice for, like, a stripper audition later. I don't know exactly what the appropriate venue for this is other than maybe, like, something on the, on the, what do they call that? The internet that's, like, the black internet. Like, not black as an African-American. The dark web. Um, I feel like... But I don't think anyone would even pay for it there. I, I I don't know, man. It was really weird. And I got on stage and I I was I, I went shortly after her and I was like, honestly, I I don't know what to say right now. I, I all I know is like I think what what I just witnessed is like the exact inverse of everything that you learn about in church. And it was Sunday too, right? So I was like, I I, I don't how am I in this situation right now? Like, it makes you think for a second, like, what am I doing with my life to where this is happening in my presence? Um, but it was, it was, honestly, it was outrageous. Uh, so anyway, that was that. Uh, another couple stories for you. Uh, I did a podcast recently with James Camancho. Check it out. It's called I'm Just a Kid. It's episode 11. It was a lot of fun. He, his theme is going back. His guests, they always talk about high school, so it's very high school themed. So if you guys want to learn about me and like more about who I was and football, my coaches, girlfriends in the past, we really get into that popularity, all those things. So check out it. I'm just a kid. Uh, the name of the episode is That's Weak. Uh, something that my football coach said to me once. Anyway, um... An update for you guys that I think you'll appreciate is that I got my money back from the China hostage situation. My credit card company finally came around. I, you know, I talked to the people in the fraud department and they, they took care of the charge. Thank goodness. So, oh, what a nightmare that was. And now it's just kind of an interesting story, a lesson learned, and I'm unscathed. So, in a way, it was kind of a blessing in disguise because... I used that stuff, I used some of that material and did, I talked about it on stage recently and I did some jokes about it and the crowd was so intrigued, you know, I was like, anybody here ever been held hostage before or just me or, you know, and you know, they were like super <laughs> like locked in, they were like, what happened, you know, so I went into it uh, and had a couple punchlines um, that, uh, you know, it's like, do I tip this guy? You know, since I paid him via credit card, you know, we shook hands. Thanks for not, for not killing me. What's the standard situation here? Do I tip you? Do I, is it a cash tip? You know, like, just stupid stuff like that. Um, just, it's nice. It's a blessing in disguise. I'm all intact, and it, here we are, right? So, anyway, uh, here's, a, here's a unique story that happened. A couple minutes I'll take here to do this. Uh... The building that I live in has a terrace. In fact, like right now, you you can go out, you can go lay on it. Um, when the sun's out, you can tan. They've got lawn chairs over there. It's really beautiful. It's got a great view of the city. And, you know, my building has a lot of residents. Uh, and this is an open public terrace for the Revit, only for the residents and their guests. And I was up there recently, and there was this really cute girl with this really cute puppy. 
right? And I'm laying out, but I'm kind of distracted. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, okay, I could either lay out and get a tan, or I could maybe... That puppy is so cute. I almost... It's such an easy conversation starter. But also, like, if I could have that puppy, I honestly <laughs> would love to. That These are the thoughts going through my mind um, as, I'm, as I'm tanning. Uh, and, you know, she's a cute girl, and shoot. So I, I was like, hey... What kind of puppy is that, you know? And we started talking. And she was friendly. She was nice. She's from a different country. And uh, come to find out, she's a foster parent for this puppy. So she was actually looking for a somebody to adopt the puppy, which is perfect, right? She's, like, marketing the puppy, and the puppy's marketing her. Uh, and I, I was naturally very intrigued and potentially interested i love dogs i've been wanting to get one the only thing is is i just know that the level of commitment is intense and with my you know comedy pursuits i don't think that i could by myself give a puppy all the i don't think i could give it the the best opportunity to meet all of its needs i i almost need like a girlfriend um to to help me with it right like a partner that i can count on when i'm away to help take care of the puppy, take it out, whatever. So in a way, like, I want a puppy, so I might get a girlfriend. Most people, most dudes will get a puppy, like a cute puppy, so that it helps them get a girlfriend. I kind of want to get a girlfriend so that I can get a puppy, if that makes sense. Anyway, this girl was really cute, and I was like, maybe I could make this a package deal. I don't know, right? And, uh, you know, I got her number and all this stuff and she gave me all this information about the, 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 the people that, um, <laughs> like adopt, like put these puppies up for adoption. I guess they find them and like, they find these animals and they rescue them and then they try to find families for them, which is very noble and fantastic. We need that. It's like basically the inverse of Cruella Duville. And... I, you know, I mean, obviously, how can you not like a cute girl that, like, has a good heart and, you know, has, like, cute puppies around her? Like, that's, like, the definition of heaven in my book. So, um, you know, she, uh, I texted her. I was like, maybe we could go for a walk sometime. I'll come wa walk and maybe walk him and maybe get to know him and do, like, a test, a test drive, right? But it's really a test drive for the puppy and for her. Anyway, we were texting. She's like, no problem. This is a couple of days after I had met her. Actually, yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah, well, come by. We can take the puppy for a walk later. My boyfriend has him until, like, 4 o'clock or whatever. He took him to work to show his coworkers. And I'm like, ah. So I immediately was like, dang, I don't know if I'm interested in getting the puppy anymore because, like, I was kind of looking at this as a package deal, you know. Um but I still, I love the pucky, puppy regardless, and I did want to see him. So in my own mind, I was like, all right, just, all right, Mike, like, still consider the puppy. Don't be closed-minded, because this, this is such a cute puppy. His name is, well, I don't want to say his name is too revealing, but he, he had a cute name, and it reminded me of Track, because I was a, a runner and everything. And it was, like, the perfect name. I, I, you know, last time I had a dog, I had a female dog. So this time, why not get, like, a male dog? It was just, like, the perfect face, small dog, everything. He liked me, too. We liked each other. You know, he's, like, playing around and, like, nibbling on my fingers. Um, so anyway, I did want to see him again. And a few days later, I was, like, I followed up. I was, like, yeah, I, I really do want to see him. 
before someone else adopts him potentially. I, I don't know if I can take care of him because it's just a big commitment. I've been sleeping on it. She's like, okay, just let me know when you want to come by. I, I finally found the time right before somebody was going to come pick the puppy up for the last time. So I guess the puppy had found, they had found a family for this puppy and they were going to say bye to this puppy. So I wanted to just say bye to the puppy real quick. You know, he was very cute. <laughs> I keep saying that I'm speaking in circles. Nevertheless, though, she, um, she's like, okay, I'm in room, whatever, whatever. Like she, she lists her room and I'm thinking to myself, okay, like I'm, I'm going to be respectful and everything regardless. But like if her boyfriend's not there, it's a, it's not sketchy of her, but it'll, it makes me a little uncomfortable, not uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Like, so anyway, I, I was like, either way. And I had to dress up cause I was on my way to go do like a more professional comedy show. So I was like dressed up, <clears throat> not trying to impress her anymore. You know, she's got a boyfriend and, uh, I, I knock on the door and sure enough, She's in there, and her boyfriend's in there, and I'm, like, all dressed up, you know? I'm like, hey, guys, uh, and I'd never met this guy before, so super, like, not awkward, but I think, I'm sure he was uncomfortable by my presence, and I was, I mean, I was cool with him. He seemed like a very respectful dude, and he played it probably the only way that you can, which is, hey, welcome in, you know, we shook hands, nice to meet you, I just wanted to say bye to this puppies. I, I was considering adopting him, and he's super cute, um, but, you know, I, I didn't want to wear out my welcome by any means, or start, like, hanging around for the next 30 minutes, uh, and, you know, I, I feel like if I was in his shoes, I would have been uncomfortable, you know what I mean, it's like, who's this fucking fool, now he knows, like, our room number, <laughs> like, this dude, I don't know. I don't know if I like this guy. You know what I mean? It's probably what he was thinking. But don't worry, dude. If you ever hear this podcast, I'm I'm a respectful gentleman, and who, your girlfriend may not even have been interested in me at all. So it's not like I can even like assume that she was attracted to me. She might have just a hundred percent been excited about somebody who was interested in the dog. You know what I mean? So like. I'm not trying to be presumptuous over here um, and just assume anything, you know. Thanks for welcoming in, me into your home and, you know, letting me see the puppy. I appreciate it. So <laughs> that's that's my message to that guy and, and to her as well. Um, all right, so I'm wrapping this up. Um, this is a weird thing that happened. Oh, I saw Kendrick Lamar in concert. There's this girl who... I was doing comedy and she's like really upset and she's like, can you, I need, she's like, I'm really having a rough night right now and I don't feel well. Can you just come give me a hug? I was like, I'm doing comedy. Like I'm out on the circuit right now. This is so random and you're on the other side of town. I was like, where are you? She's on the other side of town at home. She wanted me to drop everything that I was doing and come give her a hug. Right. And I was like, do, do you realize that I'm like, like I'm doing, like I just got done and I'm potentially going to get on stage again here if if an opportunity opens up anyway i thought about it and you know i i even talked to one of the guys at the comedy club i was like dude i've never had someone ask me for something like this before and i don't know like i even though it's out of the way i technically can do it like i have the ability to do it right now i'm sacrificing the potential opportunity of getting on stage and just the convenience of it but I don't know, so I, 
I ended up deciding to do it. I, I freaking, you know, I freaking, you know, traveled out, went to, to give her a hug. Um, and I don't even think she appreciated it fully. Like, I don't know, it's weird. Like, she got mad at me for not, like, hugging her tight enough. And she wanted me to pick up some food for her, but there was no food on the way, so I couldn't do it. And I was like, why don't we just order something off Grubhub or whatever? She got mad at me. Like, my me traveling across town to give her a hug wasn't good enough. So I don't know, you know. Life's weird, dude. <laughs> um, that's all I have to say about that. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm getting tired. Comedy's going good. I've, you know, I've been, I was cold calling agents uh, on the phone recently. I got one guy to pick up, and then I followed up with them. We had a great conversation. It's the first time an agent actually didn't say we don't take unsolicited calls. Uh, and this dude was like intrigued by some of the, the credentials that I was sharing, and he was asking me questions. We had a great conversation. He gave me his email. He even said that he'd come watch me that weekend. And when I when I emailed him, I googled his name, and I, somehow he has two like two a first name. His first name and last name sound like two first names. And I I don't know what my deal was, but for some reason I freaking Googled his name and like Google showed up that his last name was first, first name last. So I like, I like froze for a second and I followed up quickly and I was like, Hey, I think I mispronounced your, your name or I think I called you by your last name rather than your first name. And I apologize for that. And he responded and he's like, uh, you know, you had it right the first time. So I, uh, I didn't hear from from him after that, but if he's going to judge me for, getting his name wrong, then I don't know if we're, like, supposed to work together, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if it was meant to be. Um, I, I want to do some cruise ship comedy, by the way, guys, you know, because I'm still single, so you can make good money, like, doing the cruise ship circuit. I don't know if you guys have seen that Adam Sandler, uh, for, it was, like, his first movie, Going Overboard, where there was a cruise ship comedian or something, or he was. Anyway, I think I'm going to go do that. I don't know. You can make some good money. All right, that's about it. <laughs> Hope you have a, a good week. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Thanks for letting me enter your eardrums. I don't mean that in a weird way. Um, I love you guys. If you have any questions, send me an email at laugh at michaeloldroid.com. Check out my online presence. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter. Give me a retweet, dude. I'll give you a retweet, you know. We'll tweet at each other. Um... I'm tired. That's it. Peace. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. By the way, am I the only one who's horny? <laughs>